0: Welcome to Mic Drop Events, where we help you create events that people love. We believe that boring is brutal, quality is crucial, and remarkable events will take your business to the next level. Well, Mia, so excited that you're here joining us for Mic Drop Events podcast. And uh, I'm so excited to have met you on Clubhouse. I think this is the second podcast interview that I've been able to conduct. Uh, There was a gentleman a couple weeks ago, and then you're the second that I've met on Clubhouse. So it's so fun how the audio connection just allows people to authentically connect. And so thankful that you're here with us. And I know that we've got a bunch of questions primarily centering around hybrid events because that's kind of like the talk of the town, right? That's the talk of the events world. And literally, like today, as we record this podcast, we are producing our own hybrid events masterclass webinars, our first one that we've ever done because hybrid events have been something that people have been asking us about. So, and I'm so... Thrilled that you've got in a teaser for those of you that are listening mia has 14 steps that <laughs> you can take and consider when going hybrid so just a teaser so stick around to the end because that's going to be like one of the final things that we touch on but um i i'd love to hear your thoughts so you literally just published at swap card the hybrid is now report is that the official name of it
1: that's correct john hybrid is yeah. now
0: So how does it, number one, how does it feel to do that? And then I think for our audience, um, is there something that's like top of mind, even as we're having this conversation, maybe from the report, but centering around live events, in-person events or virtual and hybrid, this kind of conversation that's happening?
1: That's so interesting uh, because we called it hybrid is now when we found out that You know, what everybody was saying was hybrid is the future. And our research showed that it's happening right now already. So hybrid is now, in fact, it's happening. It's here. We've anticipated it. It came a little bit quicker than we thought because vaccine rollouts are doing pretty well in a lot of regions. And uh, top of mind, this report that we published, uh, we did a lot of research. We surveyed about 460 event professionals, mostly event planners, and uh according to that data we found out how many people are actually busy planning hybrid right now it was 75% that were planning hybrid events for 2021 so that means they were already either in the planning process or executing their events today um so that was that was something you know a big takeaway uh, another big takeaway from our research was the biggest challenges about hybrid events and what people perceived to be the biggest challenges. We'll touch on that a little later. Uh, that was from the same, the same research. And uh, something else that, that I really have kept in mind from this report that was published last week was a list of touch points for attendees that are virtual and attendees that are in person. Because before, you know, getting that data, I thought that there might be five, six, seven opportunities for those two groups of audiences to meet on the platform that, you know, the planner uses for their hybrid events. I was wrong. (laughs) It's 22 plus, you know, we took this um, list that was made by a client of Swapcard that actually ran, you know, a big hybrid event last month back in March. And they listed for us. They took the liberty of listing all the places where both audiences meet and have the same experience on the platform. And it was more than twenty-two. So that was that was crazy. You know, something to to think about. But yeah, it, it was great to to release that report. Uh, I feel like you know it was about forty pages, but I could have gone on for another forty because there's just so much to learn, and I don't feel like an expert. At all, but at the same time, I feel like with every day that passes, talking to people on Clubhouse, like how I met you, and you know, looking at LinkedIn, all the trending hashtags in the in the industry, I feel like with every day that passes, I'm gaining so much more knowledge. But I mean, is there is there a limit? I don't think the limit exists to the the amount of knowledge we need to to run successful hybrid events.
0: Well, and. I want to touch on something that you said before moving on and talking more about hybrid events is that you don't feel like an expert. You just, you just help compile research into a 44 page report. If there's someone on the face of the planet that would, I would <coughs> consider an expert now, based upon like the research and the data and the stories that you have, I would say that you are an expert. So I want to encourage you like even so for our listeners, if you're listening to this, if you are a professional in your field, meaning you get paid to do what you do, you are an expert in what you are doing. And so I just want to encourage you, Mia, because I believe you're an expert. So I didn't want to move past that. And we were, we were even talking about before we hit the record button, and, and I just wanted to speak that, that truth over you. But I, I think it's interesting. So 460 event planners, and I've got it written down right here, 75% of them are planning hybrid events currently. So I'm curious because you guys just finished, you you published this report. So at swap card, what, what's kind of like if you had a crystal ball and you're predicting the future and you're looking at the future of the events industry, because there's like software for events has been exploding for since mm-hmm. the pandemic hit because we had no choice, right? We were all forced to go online for our events. So at Swapcard, what's like the crystal ball saying at Swapcard for where the events industry is going for hybrid events, even after like let's say COVID is eradicated, it's done, it's the thing of the past. What is, what's kind of the crystal ball saying?
1: Swapcard's crystal ball has a very clear picture. It's a great question. Um, we believe that we're heading towards an omni-channel experience. I'm gonna throw in buzzwords here because I haven't yet found my own authentic way to describe it, so it's gonna sound very cliche, but community, 365 platform, omni-channel, all of those things are cliches for a reason because they work. Um, If you look at media companies, publications, right, like magazines or or journals, they have this mass following, these mass communities that interact all year long. Every time a new publication comes out, every month, sometimes every two weeks, and they have editor um, letters, and they can write letters to the publications and get published. And then they they can meet online with the hashtags or the follow the Instagram accounts, whatever it may be. Media companies are now only starting to use events to promote their brands, which is super easy for them because they've already got that community following. All they need to do now is put up, you know, one event a year, everyone will come. If we look at the events industry, we're kind of on the other side of the coin and we have a much more challenging job ahead of us because we've got the events down pat, like no one can tell us how to run events. What we now need to learn how to build and create and then engage and even monetize is that sense of community, that that tribe, that following. Um, So I think... Well, I think and Swapcard thinks and, and tech experts that I've been speaking to think that going forward, you know, after the dust has settled from COVID and vaccine and whatever, 80% of, of in- interactions are going to be online through a, a year-long platform, whatever that looks like. And then once a year, maybe twice a year, depending on the rhythm of your of your brand, there'll be this hybrid experience that I don't wanna call even event anymore because event implies that there's a start date and an end date, but this experience is is gonna run throughout the year. Uh, There'll be this hybrid experience where some people will choose to travel and others will choose to stay home and and, and experience it online. And that sense of community is gonna be engaged at strategic points throughout the year through content through networking um surveys crowdsourcing of content social media uh and i think everything will be brought into like this all-in-one platform that will serve as social networking business closing um and uh, have the joy of seeing each other you know a couple of times a year or once a year face-to-face. And that is not going to take away from the face-to-face experience. If anything, it's going to make it that much more special because you'll be used to nurturing leads and engaging with people all year long online. So when you get to shake hands and share a drink, it's going to be great.
0: I 100% agree. And it's interesting because like my wife and I, we dated long distance before getting married. I was in Arizona, she was in Florida, and so we only got to see each other about one time a month when we were dating before we got married for like a whole year, and it was, it was exactly what you're talking about, like getting to know her over the phone and on FaceTime and using like certain apps... It made it like we would then get together in person, and we would pack it in. We went on like super dates where we would be like date, 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 date all in one day. We would do like fifty things, and then like crash hard, and, and then I would fly back to Arizona. And and I, I completely agree with you. And I think it's interesting that the events industry that it's this has been a catalyst of change mm-hmm. in our events industry, specifically for this meeting online. And and I love what you said that. It's going to make it more special when you do get to meet face-to-face, but it's all about engaging your community online Mm -hmm. year-round. And I know specifically in the marketing world, because really here's what we've identified as our clients, our corporate and nonprofit clients, most of the time, they're hiring us for one of two reasons. Their audience is either their customers Mm -hmm. or it's their internal team. That's really the two audience types that we've got. And so specifically for the marketing side, when it's your customers, the engaging your audience is important, but also you never know like when, if something, what happens if just Twitter just decides just to shut down, you don't have your audience to be able to engage on Twitter. So how do you do that? And how do you um, own the list is kind of like a marketing thing. I actually like one of my favorite people to follow on Twitter is very top of mind for me right now. I don't know, like the account's just not there anymore. I think it was like banned for some reason. I don't know why, because it was all like information graphics. And so I'm really confused, but that, that's an interesting point mm-hmm. about how we should be engaging online. So, so I'm curious, how, what have you seen before, before we go into some of the other questions, specifically about hybrid events, talking about engaging an audience, what are, what are some of your customers doing or even what is Card doing? What have they found to be successful to engage an audience year-round using kind of an omni-channel platform? Is there any kind of systems or structure that you've seen be successful or any stories you could tell us?
1: Sure. Um, I think that you need a team, first of all. Don't underestimate what it takes to, to build and deepen connections within this community and engage them year-round. Um, it's going to take resources because you need to be planning small uh breakout events, mini webinars, um, workshops, any kind of content format that you can think of, do it. Do different ones because variety is where it's at, right? People are not gonna just attend the same monthly webinar and then think that they'll get value out of your once a year event. No, you need to engage them through different means. Uh, Crowdsource, as I was saying earlier, crowdsource your content. Use that year-long interaction to build the content for your upcoming annual event by asking them what they what their struggles are, what their pain points are, and what they want to hear about. Um, we run a virtual community called Evolve. We have big events twice a year. They've all been virtual up till now. I hope, fingers crossed, that we can have a hybrid version soon, although, you know, Europe is a little bit behind. <laughs> so we'll see. Um, and we've recently decided to kind of diversify our format of our content. And instead of just having one monthly traditional session where there's, a you know, three speakers and a moderator and then live Q&A and polls, which was already working pretty well, We are now implementing monthly online roundtable sessions where there's small groups that kind of go in breakouts and they talk with one expert speaker on a specific subject, but everybody has their voice heard and everyone has their camera on and it's really interactive. And then other than that, we're doing workshops where we actually have, you know, like a masterclass in something and there's a certificate at the end. Um, We invite external partners to do their webinars within our community, on our platform to bring outside content, you know, new, fresh ideas. So I think the key is to really diversify the way in which you deliver the content. The medium can change. The messaging will always be uh, loyal to your brand. And the most important thing is keeping it in the same place. If you have that all-in-one platform, what you were saying earlier about kind of losing um, or or diluting your audience Uh, That is not good. If you have this community, you need to keep them. You need to own it, right? So if you've got this all-in-one virtual platform that you can use year-round and then also for your annual hybrid event, you own your audience. They all go through the platform to network, to engage with your content, and to meet each other and to even buy and sell. And then you can keep the hashtags within within your platform, but give them the option to take that to social media if they want. But at the end of the day, Twitter can go down, Instagram can can crash. The world's not going to end because you own your community and your database and your your lists and your communications is all within your all-in-one platform.
0: You've sold me. You've sold me <laughs> I'm like, I, I, whatever you just described, I'm like we need that for our own company. And cuz we're we're a small team, it does 100% take a team and I mean right now we are doing what you're describing which is to like change up the media and the format of the content. And we're constantly thinking about what are some different things that we could do. And I'm like, yes, a hundred percent. And so that, that's a perfect segue into the next question, talking about specifically the high, hy- the value of hybrid events. But one of the things that you said is, um, and you gave a bunch of ideas and I'm a firm believer in it. And I think that that's part of the value of online events. And, and I, I, I would include hybrid events too, because there is a portion obviously of a hybrid event going online is that you have the content that then you can repurpose. You can share it with your community and have it evergreen so that people can go back and rewatch it. You can chop it up into small pieces and you can use it for uh, micro content on your social media to drive more people to be a part of your, like your community. So a hundred percent. Yes. Preaching to the choir. <laughs> um, okay, so the question is, is so there's obviously that kind of a value, but um, even if you want to take it a step further or if you want to talk more about that, what, what are some of the specific value that you've seen through your research or through what your customers are using your platform for, but specifically for hybrid events?
1: I love this question, Sean, because um, some of our research showed that close to 30, 32% of respondents didn't have a very clear idea of what a hybrid event actually is. Like they don't have this template in mind, you know, this, this picture of what it looks like. And I think that it goes without saying that these people also don't know what the value in hybrid is. And I think that's such an important message for us to be sharing at the moment. People are talking about hybrid, hybrid, hybrid buzzwords, but who's actually telling the industry and those that are not clued up Why should we go hybrid? Why are we going through all this trouble and these, you know, expensive budgets and whatever, you know, the myths that everyone is talking about, there is value. And it's more than just what what you've said. Of course, that's integral part of it. But uh, right now, hybrid events are probably, no, are definitely the most profitable model that exists because if you go virtual only right now you're going to lose money because there's tons of people that are vaccinated ready to travel and eager you're going to miss out on them if you go in person only you're cutting off this huge global reach that you could have so hybrid is brings you know together the best of those two and just basically if simple math increases your your profit margins or at least the potential for your profit margins if you run it right Um, you know, maximizes your reach of of audience, of attendees and exhibitors globally without borders. It's insane what you can do when you add that virtual element. It's also got a lower carbon footprint because however many attendees there are at a hybrid event, you could have that many in-person, which would be, um, you know, a much bigger impact on on the environment, but that's not the case because probably at least 50% of them are attending virtually. Um, it also helps you, I think, boost brand awareness. Um, you you kind of, if you decide to take on a hybrid strategy and, and be innovative then and, and, and embrace technology, then you take on this modern kind of forward-looking, forward forward-thinking um, persona for your brand. And I think that's important in today's world as well. Uh yeah. And then what I said earlier about owning your community and, you know, even increased uh opportunities for marketing before the event virtually, after the event virtually, and then during the event, double the amount of marketing opportunities for you and your sponsors because you have two different groups of people and two different places.
0: Well, and I think that's a, a, a very Clear explanation, and you you gave some very clear reasons as to why hybrid events are so powerful. And I agree with you. And here's kind of my soapbox, right? Is that hybrid events have been around longer than we give them credit for? Because, like, oh. I personally believe, for example, that by definition, like the Super Bowl yes. or the FIFA World Cup, or <laughs> well, the Olympic hybrid event, right? Exactly. Because you have an in, like, and and you mentioned the profitability imagine if the FIFA World Cup or the Super Bowl were to only have the (laughs) in-person event experience.
1: Or (laughs) let's flip it
0: and imagine if they were only online. It'd be way different,
1: Mm. right?
0: So that's one of the beauties of it is, like you said, is you can allow people to access it. But here's the thing is, if you get the chance to go to like a Super Bowl or FIFA World Cup, you're like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. I get to go there. It's not going to cheapen it. By being able to watch it online or watch it from your home, it doesn't cheapen it at all, right? right. So I 100% agree with you. So, okay, so now that we've kind of convinced and maybe if there people are listening or watching this, they're like, okay, you've kind of talked me into it. I, I'm game. Let me bite. So what are some of the biggest myths that the event planners that you've talked to believe about hybrid events and are they true
1: or not? <sighs> Okay, so our our research, this famous research I keep referring to because it was very insightful, showed in the question we asked, what's your biggest challenge? And the majority said, um, engaging two audiences. That was 33% of people engaging these two different audiences. The second biggest challenge for them was an expensive overall budget. And then just underneath that at 19%, there was networking between two groups of attendees. So, I think engagement and networking can kind of go into the same bubble. Obviously, it's a huge issue and a huge myth. And then this expensive overall budget was really highly rated as a very big issue and fear for a lot of event planners. Um, About that myth, okay, yes, it's expensive. It's going to be a big budget to organize a full-on hybrid event. You are going to have Platform fees, which are going to be big, if you want it all customized and depending on how many people you want there, you're going to have the venue, the insurance, security, uh, food and beverage, all of the traditional things. You're going to have extra tradition, extra sorry, in person um, costs because of social distancing and and masks and maybe testing and things like that that you're going to have to offer going forward. But at the end of the day, despite this expensive overall budget for hybrid events, your your opportunity for profit is increased exponentially, like the literal mathematical definition of exponential, meaning there's no end. Because if you take it, especially if you take your your hybrid strategy into a community 365-day approach, there's no limit to how much money your exhibitors and sponsors can make And therefore, there's no limit to how much money you can make as the planner. Because if you go for a subscription-based model or a commission-based model where, you know, pay per lead or whatever it may be, you charge membership to your attendees, differing levels with free access for certain things, then they pay extra for VIP networking or exclusive content. Same for, for your exhibitors and sponsors and partners, you are going to forget so quickly about the expensive budget that you have put into a hybrid event and the strategy of the of the 365 platform because you're going to see the money coming in if you if you do it right so that that's my answer to the the myth that hybrid events are expensive you got to spend money to make money
0: <laughs> it's true it's true right you it's it's the reason why you buy into the stock market. I know like Bitcoin and NFTs are a thing right now, right? But you, you're you not going to get anything out of it unless you put a dollar or two in. Maybe more than a dollar or two, but you know what I'm <laughs> trying to say. <laughs> okay, I love that. And um, I think that's interesting. So actually, um, I had it pulled up. I was actually just emailing with someone from your team, and they were asking for some case studies uh, for specifically for audience engagement because I love that you brought this up. And Cause that's been like the bread and butter and that's kind of the heartbeat behind what we do is we love helping people and organizations create events that their audiences will love. Mm-hmm. And if, if we back up and we say, okay, well, how do we get them to love the event? If they get to hear some amazing content, which there's tons of people that are able to do that, but you need to do it and you need to hold their attention and keep them engaged, cool. then they will love your event. Right? So I I love this because I was it was literally just top of mind. I was looking up we just did a hybrid event. It was a brand launch from a, a in-person auditorium type setting with a big stage. It was a four women panel. Sorry, three women panel with a moderator and because it, it was all like a women's leadership event And then it was broadcast. We had Zoom webinar happening, and then we had it going to Facebook. And I know that I said Zoom webinar in your swap card, and sorry, it's (laughs) a competitor, but that's what we did. (laughs) But we we streamed it elsewhere, and, like, the statistics are, like, there was, like, over 2,000 chat messages sent from 380 Zoom webinar attendees And then there was like fourteen hundred views on Facebook with over four hundred and eighty comments on Facebook, which is I think a big win Mm -hmm. because there's not always a lot of comments that come in through the stream because they know that you can't necessarily see the comments, but they're still doing it anyway. Mm -hmm. So it's important. I think it's super important because, like you said, you can help share your brand because like every single one of those comments on a Facebook or on a YouTube or something else is going to number one, it means that the person is engaged because Mm -hmm. they have to actually be engaged in typing it in based upon what's happening. So that's number one is you have them engaged, but then brand wise, it helps your marketing because it gets more eyeballs. If you're streaming it elsewhere, if you're sharing that content Mm -hmm. and then more people want to participate in it. So I, I agree. Okay. So we've talked about the myths behind hybrid events. We talked about like the value in hybrid events. So, um, now that you, you kind of touched on this at the end and you kind of alluded to, I think, but, One of the challenges is the networking between the different audiences, right? So how can event planners make sure that their audiences who are in different places, one might be there in the venue in person, one might be at home engaging online, how can you get them to engage and network with each other?
1: So it's difficult, right? But it's not impossible. I think that a lot of event planners think that those on sites are not going to be using uh, their, their platform or their, their app at all. That's not true. Um, I was speaking earlier about this, this list of touch points that we had from a client who ran a hybrid event of 22 different separate times where both audiences doesn't matter where they were had to go onto the platform to execute a task or to get something. So, one thing that i didn't mention earlier but about that all-in-one platform it needs a strong mobile app because those people are on the move they're on the show floor they are heading from the venue to the coffee bar to their hotel and they're going to need to use their cell phone uh or their tablet to be able to engage but there are some really great uh ideas and original creative stories that i've heard from clients in the past few weeks so, so inspiring to hear all these exciting things. Um, one of them was IMEX recently that we just had on our podcast that was telling us about these really, really creative things that they're doing. And basically, they are gamifying networking and engagement. Another um, event in the UK that I spoke to yesterday that ran their, their hybrid events on SwapCot told me they um, they donate Like something like 50 cents on the pound for every new connection request that is sent and accepted, for every new message between um, attendees that is sent, for every bookmark or or, or purchase of a product on their exhibitor um, virtual marketplace. So there's lots of fun ideas like that. Uh, People go nuts for it. And you can also help, you know, charity and causes at the same time. There were some others that was really fun, like a hybrid version of uh, musical chairs basically where in the venue there's all these chairs and in front of them there's tablets with logged into video calls on the platform with a certain uh, virtual attendee that has been chosen to take part and then people move from chair to chair in like a speed dating thing and uh, and talk to people you know on the screen while they're there Uh, there's a few other ideas that can be fun like So you have to use all different senses if you wanna get engaged. Quick uh, rant off the topic, but we are also working on this new piece that I find really interesting that's gonna be published next week. And it's about the science behind virtual engagement, but this applies for hybrid too, naturally. Um, And I can't reveal too much about it, but basically it says that science shows there's head engagement, heart engagement, hands engagement. That was the wrong order. It starts with the head, then the hands, then the heart. But basically, head engagement is watching something, understanding, listening. Hands engagement is when you get to physically participate. Like you said, even typing comments and messages, answering polls, sending, you know, seeing someone in the chat saying, hmm, this person looks interesting. I want to send them a connection request. And then heart engagement is at the end when you have met someone or you've watched a session that has actually moved you or made you feel. You know, an emotional reaction, and I love that because I think that engagement has to go through all three of those phases to be really valid.
0: That's amazing. Uh, the head, the head, the hands, and the heart. And I, I feel like, uh, I don't know if I feel like Nostradamus or whatever, but we <laughs> created some kind of version of that like two years ago. Wow! I to dig it up out of an old keynote file. It wasn't the hands. But it was uh, the mind, the body and the heart. and if you' engage all three because like you can get them to do something, like I remember th- when I was in college, I was an edu- I'm an elementary education major from university, and it's crazy how I ended up in the events industry and what I do now, but that's just my background. And I remember a class where, rather than like I, I attended I don't even know how many classes, but I only remember a specific few because they did exactly what you're describing. They had me do something, they had me learn something, and then they motivated or inspired me or it was some kind of a story or a connection, something like that that reached my heart. And that's ah, ex- oh, I love it. The head <laughs> the hands and the heart. That's so cool. Uh, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah me too. Well, um so okay, so we've we've talked about that. Before we before we turn off the cameras and shut down the microphones, I've got to ask if someone is now that they've heard you describe the benefits of it, how to, even a, like you're hinting at some new research coming out for how to engage people, which is a huge, people are asking us all the time, like, how do you engage it? And we've got our own thing. So I'm, I'm curious to see what you guys have too, but what are, what are some of the steps that people need to, this is like the teaser, right? This is what we teased at the beginning. <laughs> what are the steps that people need to consider when they are going hybrid?
1: Okay, it's there's there's quite a long list. I'm going to go through it chronologically, and I'm going to try and be quick and just summarize it so it's like a bite size, um, you know, list that you can keep in in your mind. There's also a, a version on our website of this checklist that we just published yesterday, actually, because we really thought that event planners needed this kind of concrete, step by step guide, so that it, it becomes more, you know, tangible. Like in the trenches, this is how you actually do it. I'm going to start with defining your event goals. Don't at me. Some of this is going to be very basic and and obvious, but it's still got to be in there, right?
0: (laughs) Um, I thought you just said, don't at me, like on the (laughs) podcast. That's awesome. So (laughs) I don't want
1: people, haters in the comments being like, okay, Captain Obvious. (laughs) (laughs) First one. You, you've got to define your event goals, and that includes at a hybrid event, You know the size of your in-person audience, the size of your virtual audience, and then monetary objectives, among other things. Then you've got to decide on the requirements for your venue. You've got to choose one that fits your needs, and those needs are probably going to be strong Wi-Fi, uh, social distancing capabilities, or enough space to enforce that if need be. Uh, easy to go catering to make sure people don't, you know, we don't spread <laughs> cause a fourth wave or whatever uh, individual or smaller meeting rooms where people can go and network with people online and sufficient screens so that they can kind of log into their platform, wherever they are. Then you've got to, you know, talking about the screens and logging in, you've got to choose your all-in-one technology platform. And that platform needs to have specific features that, that you require to engage both groups of, of audience as well as both groups of exhibitors. Uh, after you've decided on your platform, you then sit and have that, you know, um, what is the word? Drawing board of the attendee journey. You've got to plan the attendee journey with strategic touch points on the platform. And you've got to have two of those one for on site and one for online. Make sure that you really envision that that attendee journey because at the end of the day, without your attendees, there is no event. So you've got to deliver value and quality content for them. Um, Then speaking of attendees, you know, they got to buy tickets. So what is the structure for your ticket prices going to look like? You've got to decide on that. Perhaps create different levels for and different prices for people that are virtual, people that are online, different benefits, uh, live versus pre-recorded or on-demand, networking, things like that. And then you've got to structure the same thing, but for your exhibitors and partners and sponsors, if you have, um, you know. Are they going to have only a virtual booth or only an on-site booth? Or are they going to have both and you know get the best of both package deal? How are you going to structure that? It's a whole new ball game. So that takes a bit of planning. Then we're talking about engagement just now. Here comes the content. How do you deliver the content? If you have conference style sessions, or if you have workshops or breakouts. How do you deliver that to two different audiences? And does it happen simultaneously? What are the formats? What are the lengths? Where are your speakers? Are they on site? Are they virtual? Do you have dedicated MCs for the virtual audience? Lots of questions, but very, very important. After you've decided on your content, you then brainstorm engagement because that goes hand in hand, right? content is king but without engagement you might as well not have any content so how are you going to offer those (laughs) equal equal engagement opportunities for both sets of attendees because you don't want the ones at home to feel left out Um, then almost at the end here I know it's a long list but after that you've got to prepare to open the platform before the event starts so people can get planning on their, 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 you know, personalized event journey, start looking at who's going to be there, who they want to meet up with, planning their meetings, uh, looking at the the schedule. Um, then you've got to build your targeted marketing campaign. Basically, you've got two, no, four groups of people that you're going to have to target here. You, go, you have your online attendees, on-site attendees, your virtual exhibitors, your in-person exhibitors. So you've got to strategize your marketing to to reach all those different people's needs. And it's not going to be one size fits all. Um, After that, prepare to leave your your platform open once your event is over. Then you implement the idea of this year-round community in preparation for next year. And finally, you brainstorm how you're going to monetize that community 365 days a year. (laughs) Oof. <laughs> that's my problem.
0: I, I was taking so many notes uh, <laughs> during this. Like, I don't even know how to recap all of this. I'll, I'll see if I can put this to our team and we can put it in the show notes of this podcast, but that was incredible. I can say you, you did say that it's on, it's out, it's on your website, right? The checklist that you guys put together.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Okay. It's on our website on the blog.
0: Awesome. Very cool. Well, Mia, that was amazing. That was a lot, but that's there's a lot that goes into it. And mm-hmm. like here's the thing. So we're again, like you going back to like what is like what why is there so much that goes into it? It's because you're essentially planning for, like you said, you even narrowed it down. I hadn't even thought about the two additional audiences of the exhibitors, the online exhibitors and the, the on-site exhibitors. So, but if you're even if you don't do that, you're still planning for two different groups of people to go through an experience. And we we created just a simple image for our master class coming up of a hybrid event where it's these two lines. So imagine of just a flat line, and that we are using to describe like the in-person, the on-site experience of the attendees. Mm-hmm. And then the virtual, the online experience is above it. And not because they're above or below, it's just how we drew it, but it like it's separate and then it drops down and it merges together and then it Mm -hmm. separates and then it merges together. And again, then it separates and that's what a hybrid event experience is like. And you've got to plan that for four different groups of people with engagement, with content, with um, how are they going to, how are they going to monetize and get their money out if they're an exhibitor, Mm -hmm. as well as um, your attendee journey, choosing the platform, venue requirements, all of it so that was that was incredible and and very clear so thank you that was amazing
1: <laughs> well Mia, it, it was it, yeah go ahead it, it's so cool to share that sean i have to just say i love that image that you just just showed of of how people are going to meet from from different places i'm going to go and, and draw myself one so i can better visualize it but it seems awesome
0: I love it. And we're going to publish it later today on our social media. So you can feel free to check it out if you want to. But uh, Mia, this has been such a pleasure. You. You have dropped some amazing knowledge um, on this podcast in. Um, I've got your bio right here so if you're listening in and you don't know who Mia is, Mia is a content director for Swap Card and one of the uh, one, which is one of the leading all-in-one virtual and hybrid event platforms, which is why she's so knowledgeable about this. They've been doing it for a while and she's a South African living in Paris with four years of experience in planning and writing about events. She loves to write, talk, and hear people's opinions, which is all three of those (laughs) are important, especially when you're doing research like this, right? And then um, if you want to check out more and learn more about what she does and the report is up on their website, you can go to swapcard.com. It'll be in the show notes of this podcast, but that's swap, S-W-A-P-C-A-R-D.com. Mia, is there anything from your bio that I missed there that you want to share with everyone who's listening in?
1: No, just that I'm happy to interact and and hear your opinion, feedback, tell me what you think, tell me what I missed and drop some more knowledge on me. So this has been absolutely awesome. I really feel like the name is so appropriate, you know, mic drop uh, because that's, it feels like everything that you do on this podcast is just absolutely worthy of a proper mic drop because it's so awesome. (laughs) So Thanks for having me, Sean. It's been a real great honor and I love sharing what I've learned and Still don't consider myself an expert. In any case, still got to keep learning all the time and staying curious. So um, I'm so happy to be here and hope to hear from the listeners uh, on LinkedIn or on our website. Hit me up. Thanks, Sean.
0: I love it. Well, Mia, it's been such a joy. Thank you so much. And after everything you just shared with us, I I know that our listeners would consider you an expert as well if you're if you're listening in or wherever you're tuning in from on apple spotify google wherever you are thank you so much for joining us for mic drop events and we'll catch you next week